Hello there, and welcome to the Made for Love podcast, a Catholic podcast from the USCCB asking the important questions about the call to love. Such as? What would help you? You know, what do you need? What is it that, you know, you're concerned about right now? I'm your host, Andrew Bonapane. Today we are not going to have a second segment. We are devoting the entirety of today's episode to abortion, and specifically to supporting mothers in crisis. Listeners will not be surprised that this is related to the upcoming Supreme Court decision on Dobbs versus Jackson and the potential change to the landscape of abortion in the United States. For that reason, uh, we are happy to welcome in Tiffany Farley, Executive Director of the Gabriel Network. Tiffany, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. I'm happy to be here. And Dan Miller, Church-Based Ministry Director for the Gabriel Network. Hello and thank you. You both made the drive down here, but Dan's drive was a little bit longer. Um, So thanks for coming in person. We really appreciate it. So the reason we wanted to have you on was because of a lot of the rhetoric surrounding the issue of abortion and also because of how different structures in this country make it difficult for mothers to love their children and make it easier for them to turn to abortion rather than some other options which would be morally illicit. So first of all, I think a lot of people who are maybe on the periphery of this debate are uncertain how they themselves can help with respect to easing the pressure that is on a lot of women, which is something that Gabriel Network and you have specific experience with, right, Tiffany? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of women that are experiencing crisis pregnancies all the time. And, you know, there is a lot in the news right now, a lot of the different court cases and a lot... In social media, people are talking about it, people are thinking about it, people are listening, people are thankfully trying to learn more about what an abortion is and what it means to be in a crisis pregnancy. So while it's exciting in a way for us because there's so much more talk about it, really what we do at Gabriel Network doesn't change at all. We continue to help mothers, pregnant mothers in crisis and their families. And so For us to be talking about it, knowing what's going on in the news and all the discussion that's going on, it just makes what we do more exciting, I guess, and interesting and more hopefully impactful. With people talking about it, they're interested to hear, they're interested to get involved, they're interested to learn. And our job is to help them to learn how to love a little bit better and a little bit more. Because we want the women who are facing crisis pregnancies to not even want to have an abortion. Of course, you know, we don't want it to be easy for them so that, you know, it's an easy choice. It's never an easy choice. It's always fraught with lots of concern, lots of worry, lots of angst. You know, it's a hard decision no matter who you talk to. And it's not one that anyone ever chooses lightly. And so, you know, of course, making it easy to have an abortion is never good. But we want them to know that help is easy to get and it actually works. And so from for the pro-life side, we have to actually provide help that actually works. We have to make it very abundant, very easy for them to get if we even want them to consider it being an option. So we have a lot of work to do, a lot of care and concern and time and effort to put into making our help easy to get and actually helpful. So that's what we try to do at Gabriel Network. Yeah, it really does seem like we have a lot of work to do because I think it can be a temptation for people, especially people who've maybe gone to the March for Life for multiple years and thought that Roe v. Wade was never going to be overturned and we were never going to be at this moment, that they think, well, it's happened. 
Now we can stop going to the March for Life. Now we can stop having to worry about abortion so much. Well, that's not really the case. Now we have to start doing a lot of the really serious work of putting our money where our mouth is and really providing an increase, like a quantum leap in support for, for pregnant women, which it seems like in your daily work is what you do and hope to increase doing. What does that daily work look like for Gabriel Network? What are some of the things that you spend a lot of your time and effort doing? You know, one of the main things that we do is pray. We pray every day. We, we pray all day and we encourage everyone to pray all day. And in that prayer, though, we not just encourage, you know, the talking with God and creating the relationship between you and God that we hope that everyone can continue to foster. We really encouraging the listening part of the prayer, of listening what God's telling you as a person to do, what gifts he's given you, what he wants you to do to help your neighbor, to love your neighbor, to love these women who call our helpline. And so prayer is always the number one thing that we suggest and advise and, and work on ourselves because we can always improve our prayer life. We can always improve our relationship with God. And that is the number one thing that we need to do in order to know how to serve, how to care for, how to love the women who call us. You know, that's one of the things that I, that would, I would advise in listening to what God has to say, we also need to learn how to listen to what the moms who call us have to say. Mm -hmm. Not just the moms who call our helpline, that's specifically like we know why they're calling, but just going through the, to the grocery store, going to, you know, the doctors, taking a walk with your dog. You run into people and you have these conversations and it may not be on the top of your mind, but I think now especially we need to be a little bit more aware of certain things people say, certain attitudes that people have that may start a conversation yeah. that may help you to listen and to hear and maybe ask the questions of what, what would help you? You know, what do you need? What is it that, you know, you're concerned about right now? And I think sometimes people are afraid to listen because they don't know what to do. It makes you worry, you know, because you, you hear something and then you're concerned, well, what am I going to do about it? Right. Do and I so, have to like right. make a home for this person in my house yeah. or something like that? Like, I don't, you know, I'm, it's like an overwhelming sort of thought process, which is not, I don't think what people like me are being called upon to do. Right. But right. Still. But people are afraid to ask those questions yeah. and even kind of enter into that conversation because then you feel the burden of what you might have to physically go and do. And you're afraid that, you know, maybe God hasn't given you those gifts to yeah. go and do the things. But I would encourage everyone to really just prayerfully open their hearts to the conversations and to whatever it is that's said, knowing that we have a whole community of pro-life people behind us. And that's the next thing is, you know, something that helps you to be less afraid to talk to somebody and listen to what they're saying would be to find out what resources are in your area. You know, think about what a pregnant woman would need and actually go to the local pregnancy centers, go to any place, any, you know, at your doctor when you, you know, women that go to their doctors for checkups, you know, they might just ask like, what, what would you say to a pregnant woman? You know, what resources would you provide? Insurance companies are great places because they always refer women to us that need help. And so, you know, you think about, you just kind of open your eyes to what is needed by anyone who's pregnant and their family. And so when you start to think about it, you start to realize that there's a lot of, I'll call them laborers, because we're all laboring to help and serve women. And so the more you know about what's available, what help is available, the easier it is to listen and actually hear what the woman is saying and hear what her needs are and then potentially guide her.
That's interesting. And so there are Gabriel projects throughout the country, not just in the D.C., Maryland area, correct? There are. And and I'll clarify. So we officially are Gabriel Project Incorporated. We do business as Gabriel Network. So anyone in Maryland and D.C. will know us as Gabriel Network. If you're looking for us to make sure we're a nonprofit, it would be Gabriel Project Incorporated. There are lots of other Gabriel projects across the country. And they're all independent, but they all help pregnant women in crisis. Some of them also have maternity homes like we do. Some of them don't, but they all have Catholic Christian churches that help um, the pregnant women who are in need and their families with long-term relationships. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's not just Gabriel projects across the country, but there's Heartbeat International is a wonderful organization that we're an affiliate of, and they have something called Option Line. And so someone would call Option Line and Heartbeat International would direct them to their local pregnancy help organization. And so they might, if someone was calling from Maryland and called that organization, they would direct them to Gabriel Network in Maryland. Okay. And all the other pregnancy centers and, and lots of others. So all across the United States, there's, there's help and we're all working together to try to get better at serving wherever we are. And so part of Heartbeat International is the National Maternity Housing Coalition, and they specifically work with maternity homes. And so for homeless pregnant women, there's a lot of different types of maternity homes across the country, too. So they're part of Heartbeat International. So they're definitely another good organization that's connected. Okay. And we'll have links to both the Gabriel Project and Heartbeat International in our show notes as well. That's really helpful because I don't think a lot of people, if they're just exposed to kind of the worst of the discourse surrounding abortion. They don't necessarily know if they hear something in an argument that makes them think, oh, I really do want to help in this or that way. They don't know the next practical step. So that's really helpful for people to hear, at least for me to hear. I actually, I love podcasts. And so I listened to a couple of podcasts in the last couple of years that were made by pro-choice people Mm -hmm. and people who have had abortions and then talking about their experience with abortion because I think it's important for us to understand, um, you know, where they're coming from. And so probably most of the people listening to this podcast are pro-life and you would want pro-choice people to listen and vice versa. The pro-choice podcast would want pro-life people to listen because we want to understand each other. And that's part of the goal. We need to understand in order to love the best way we can. And so you don't know how to love if you don't know who you're loving or what they need. Part of, you know, what I talked about earlier is, uh, you know, connecting them to resources and stuff, but it's not just about the connecting, it's about the helping them to connect. And that's what I'm sure Dan will talk about, Gabriel Network specifically, the relationships, that you find these resources, the pregnancy centers that offer diapers and wipes and counseling and pregnancy tests and sonograms, and, and then you have the food banks who offer the food, and then you have the different organizations that might help in different ways, you know, the housing ministries that are out there in addition to Gabriel Network. But there's that in between. There's the telling the person about it mm-hmm. and the getting them to go to it. And that's scary right there, that intermediate part. Yeah. And so helping them actually get there is half the battle. You know, and you can imagine just, you know, holding their hand and walking with them. You know, there's an, an initiative with the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Walking with Moms in Need. Mm-hmm. And so the, the imagine, you know, you imagine walking with the mom, you know, actually like walking beside her, not just while she's gone through crisis, but to help her get to the resources and make sure she's, you know, gotten there okay, she's safe, she understands it, she feels comfortable, she's willing to go, she has any questions. You know, a lot of times people are just afraid to 
try anything new on their own, let alone change their life. Yeah. You know, if they've decided to not have an abortion, it's very scary to think about what your life would be like. It's so different. And for someone just to say, you know, I'll help you. I don't know what it's going to be like either, but I'm there to help you and we can figure it out and I'll walk with you. And we can talk to people who and do know. And we can talk to people like. who do know. Boom. And I don't know either, but right. I'm right here with you and we'll figure it out and I'm not going to go away. Mm-hmm. And that's the long-term relationship. But back to the people protesting, you know, in order to understand, you have to really listen and not be afraid of what they're going to say. And then step up. We pro-life people have to step up and we have to provide actual help. Yeah. You know, we can't just say, oh, you know, go get help. We know you can um, go, you go and do it. Right. We have to actually help them and and know that it's going to help and work. Yeah. And Walking with Moms in Need isn't just in Baltimore. That's an initiative of the USCCB's pro-life office, actually. And it's present in a lot of dioceses in the U.S. So we'll have a link to that in the episode notes as well. Because if there's one happening near you, it's definitely something worth getting involved in. And if it's not happening near you, maybe it should be. And maybe you can uh, talk to your pastor or your diocese about starting one in your area. If I can. Please go ahead, Dan. I'll just say that I have a lot of conversations with pro-choicers. I don't know if it's just a circle of friends that I've had growing up, but the number one question that I'm always asked or is always mentioned from the beginning is, how many kids have you adopted? What are you doing to help moms who are pregnant? It's always like they don't even want to have the conversation if you aren't doing something right? practical. And so to be even to have a conversation, they want to know that you're actually doing something, not from a judgmental perspective, but out of love. Once they know like, oh, here's what you do for your job, or here's what you do in your personal life, or here's how you help, that immediate confrontational beginning, that wall goes down and then you can start to have a conversation. But if you aren't really often doing something, they often don't even want to have a conversation because they just see as a hypocrite. Yeah. Like that is just the reality of how they view the pro-life. You know, at least I can confidently say I'm doing A, I've adopted, I've done foster care and here's what I do with my job and here's how many moms are helping. (laughs) Oh, now let's have a con- now that that is out there and there's not the hypocrisy card that they're trying to play yeah. now we can at least start to have a conversation but you need to be able to at least have something first to be able to offer to say okay i i know i'm not perfect and i know i'm not probably doing as much as i could but i'm trying to do this for these moms i'm trying to do this for these children beyond what they view as being only pro life which is just yelling pro life Yeah, right. You know what I mean? There's actual substance behind the words in my personal life. And so I think that's kind of where our organization also comes in. It's like, we're just trying to give opportunities. And, you know, even just saying, you know what? Hey, I work with, you know, these different organizations or I volunteer or at least I pray like, or, you know, I'm trying to help them as they come into my life. Like I'm trying to do something. That is a start to get down that initial wall. It seems like there's such a lack of trust in that disagreement. I know I've experienced that before where somebody who's coming from the pro-choice side just does not trust somebody coming from the pro-life side that they care in the least about women in general. And I think that's the key is that the view is that we do not care about the women. Right. That our entire focus and our entire pinpoint all we care about in its tunnel vision is on that baby in the belly. That's it. 
And that's only even up until it's born because... And then we're done. Yeah, right. That's the idea. Yeah. Is like we, They think we have to believe that because if, if we don't believe that, then it gets tougher to support abortion in the first place. And, you know, and it is a hard conversation, you know, because we're starting at very different points. And I think it's very, very different when you talk to individuals who, people that I'm very, from, you know, close to who are in the church, who are pro-choice. A lot of it's because they have a history. You know, they done something yeah. they've, they've helped pay for it they've driven someone they've had an abortion right and that's their justification to maintain that view and so i think there's different angles but if we can't get through that first hurdle we're never going to be able to have a conversation because then it's always just two people opposite sides yelling words yeah and i don't think that's our design our desire you know our desire is to actually show them our love you know show them what god has not only asked of us and how he has defined life, but also what he has asked us as Christians to do in our walk. And so I think that's the next step right. that Tiffany, I think, has been talking about is, you know, you have to you do something. That's the only way we can demonstrate that there should be some trust there, that, you know, we, we don't just care about the baby in the womb and nobody else. So on kind of a practical level, what does that look like for you? From Gabriel Network perspective? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So... We just believe very strongly that the best avenue to serve moms is the church. We really believe that. We believe that not only do the moms need help in a practical way, but there's also so much deeper that is going on with the mom. And so we really rely on the churches to walk with these moms. We believe that God has already instructed. He's already given us the game plan. He's already given us the instruction manual. and we are supposed to just do what Christ has asked us to do. We are supposed to show these mothers his love. We are supposed to show these mothers, you know, in a very practical way, how to love these moms and meet them where they are, like Christ showed us throughout, you know, whether it be the Samaritan woman, whether it be Nicodemus, you know, meeting people where they are, you know, which, you know, you have to do, but then also being able to support them and just walk with them. And too often, you know, when we think of ministry, we, we are serving, you know, from a church perspective, we think it's just this overwhelming, too hard to do thing. That is my gut reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and I think too often we forget that we have to look at it through God's perspective, which is just simply, I am putting someone in your life for you just to be a friend with, just to love and just to care for, like you would with any other person who you would consider family, friend a niece, a granddaughter, like just love them like you would them, care for them, be with them. You know, that doesn't mean allow them to walk all over you. That just means how would you handle your niece or, you know, who's pregnant and overwhelmed, you know, with doesn't feel like she has support. And so just love her like that and then just show her Christ. But I, I believe there's more that we can do that comes with experience comes with training, comes with encouragement from, you know, your church or whether it be our training, Gabriel Networks. But I believe the first thing is just meet the mom where she is, find what she needs, because they'll tell you, they'll tell you what they need, you know, and um, that's the benefit that we have. But then treat them not like a pity party, but like you would your granddaughter, your niece or your daughter or a cousin or your best friend. What would you do with them? How would you care for them? You know, what support would you show? And then, you know, going to that next part, which is just simply, how can you show Christ's love? Now, that should be in your actions, your words, but it could be just something as simple as praying for them, praying with them, 
inviting them to church. Where are you comfortable? Where are you confident? Being very intentional when we serve these moms to just love them and walk beside them. And I think that is the goal. When moms come to you at first, what are some of the kind of most common material needs that they tell you about? Um, we track a lot of that, which is great. And so we've been, you know, tracking this and there's usually three material needs that they tend to have. Number one is usually like the diapers and clothes, things like that. Number two are some of the baby, I would say baby supplies, like a crib, a stroller, the things to help take care of them, the baby. And then third is always housing. Those are the three biggest needs that I would say are consistent when it comes to practical but I would also throw in there, as we have the conversations with them on our helpline, it becomes very, very evident how many actually communicate the need for support or relational support. They need relationships. They need people in their lives who are just going to support them, walk beside them, encourage them. They feel afraid and alone. They are actually, and I think this is the cool thing about Gabriel Projects, Gabriel Network. These moms are picking up the phone, calling us. So they're asking for help. So they are acknowledging right from the beginning, I, I need help. That's the hardest part. It's not like you're going to somebody and saying, I think you need help. You know, yeah. they're calling you saying, I need help. So there's already that first big obstacle that's overcome. Yeah. You know, the fact that they're saying to us, like, yeah, I need help. And I'm reaching out to you to help us. And we say, okay, here's what we do. You know, we're going to get you with the church and the church is going to, you know, try to serve you and love you and be there for you. And they're going to help you in practical and emotional and spiritual ways, you know, but they just want to be there with you. Almost all of them are like, yes, I want that. We realize very quickly, it's not just the thing. It's the substance that they actually are looking for, but they often don't know how to communicate because all they're thinking about in that moment is I need diapers. I need a house. Right. What What the heck am I going to do? What am I going to do to get through the next week? How am I going to survive? You know, I, I'm thinking about an abortion, which is the number one reason because I can't take care of this baby. The number one reason for abortion is the mom thinking I can't provide for this baby. I, I'm overwhelmed. And so they're calling with that balls just all in the air and they just need somebody to help cash a couple for them. They're telling us what they need, which is awesome. But the reason they're at this crisis is because they don't see an option. And so they are reaching out for help, which makes it easy. That's really comprehensive coverage, I think. For the relationship piece, you know, Dan was talking about how important when the mom calls us, you know, she's looking for a relationship as well. She's and, already taken that initiative. Right. And it's often because the relationship with the father or the baby isn't going so well. Mm -hmm. And so that's one another thing that any men that are listening, you know, really can be very proactive in talking to other men. You know, the the man-to-man -man conversation is is very different than if I were to go up and, you know, say to someone, oh, you know, That's how point, how's yeah. it going, right? Yeah. And so um, for men to listen to what other men are saying about their own lives, whether it's their girlfriend or their wife, it doesn't always have to be a, an unmarried couple yeah. um, that's in this situation. And I want to really point out that it, over 50% of women who have abortions have already given birth to other children who are alive. And so that's kind of something that's, you know, always struck me that you just assume it's their first time being pregnant and they don't really know. Often they have other children. They're married more than you would guess. For men to listen to other men, but also be able to talk with other men, because a lot of times the woman who's finding herself in a, an unexpected pregnancy crisis, 
she's being either pressured by him to have the abortion and she's afraid that that relationship is going to end if she doesn't have the abortion yeah. or she just doesn't want to rock the boat anymore. The relationship is on the rocks. And so for another man to come alongside him and kind of just help him and be with him and talk with him about how it is and, you know, what he's going through, what his needs are, what his emotional and spiritual and material needs are is really, 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 really important. Um, I can't stress that enough, how important that is. Often I think it is easier for a man to talk to another man. But these women who are calling us really need someone to help the father of their baby to kind of you know, walk alongside him. Yeah, it's sort of bizarre how almost normal it's become in our culture for men to be so unwilling to sacrifice and unwilling to be open to new life in their own families and to put aside whatever their initial desires are for the sake of his wife or girlfriend. So that that's a good point. That was not something that I was thinking about, that men would need that significant reinforcement in a lot of cases and primarily from men because if they if they hear it from women the men in that situation are probably likely to be very defensive and very indignant there's another thing that i would love to also point out is it would be wonderful to hear more pastors talking about life from the pulpit um (laughs) and being welcome to women who are facing crisis pregnancies that that seems like a really easy way for men to hear from other men (laughs) is from the men who are in the pulpit yeah i do hear from time to time how women are afraid to go to their church community for help because they're afraid to be judged they're afraid that people are gonna you know look down that they've sinned that they've done this thing that's you know the unthinkable that we're not going to help them they don't want to go to their own church community out of fear And so if they're hearing it from the pulpit that we love life, all life, Mm -hmm. from conception to natural death, all the time. We want to hear your babies in this church crying. And and whatever your situation is, we love you. Yeah. We want to help you. We want to be with you. We want you to come into this church. We want to welcome you. We need to hear that more often. And so I think our, our pastors need to hear us ask for that. Yeah. Because the more widespread we hear about that sort of thing, and not just abortion is wrong, although that's important, if we hear pastors talking about a community which truly supports life, then it will be easier to outlaw abortion in more and more states and local areas, which is going to be the next battle. So the more we can make that a reasonable option, the more lives we're going to save, in addition to the primary purpose of preaching on that, which is to support the families. I'll piggyback a little bit on what she just said. So little secret here, I'm not Catholic. So I am visiting churches all the time, speaking with pastors all the time. I rarely, and I am talking as a Protestant, rarely ever hear abortion discussed from the pulpit. And I believe that to piggyback on what she's saying, I'm not convinced that only Catholics listen to what's being said. But in the Protestant world, you have certain denominations that are extremely strong pro-life as as a denomination, but it's not discussed. And when it is, it's usually very abortion is wrong. There was a study not too long ago that one out of every three people in the church have been involved in an abortion, Mm -hmm. whether they've driven someone, they've paid for it, they've actually had it, their girlfriend had it. I feel like we sometimes miss that piece that people in the church have history and are hurt. And too often we just go to pro-life abortion is wrong. It's a sin. We got to fix it. But we aren't doing enough for the people in the church who are actually sitting there hurting when we talk about it. Yeah. And so those are often, though, the people who are the best 
at helping serve and understand from an empathetic standpoint how it is to serve a mom and what they need and what they're going through because they've been through it themselves. But we need to be able to take care of them too because sometimes they're the ones that are hurting in a weird way. Like they, they're the ones that can move the change even further. I know in the Protestant church, that's something that's lacking. You know, it's very black and white. Abortion's wrong if you hear it at all. And so I know in men's, you were talking about men. It's something that a lot of men's groups are now really discussing about how do you have a conversation about that? Because men don't like to talk. We don't like to share. We don't like to open up. You know, we got to be present ourselves as strong. And But once we're able to open the dialogue, it's just amazing the level of depth that can go into those conversations. Because as a man, every time we talk about pro-life, you know, a woman just says, well, you don't understand, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't get it. It's not your body, you know? Okay. But I think if the church is doing a better job talking about, you know, from the pulpit, they're talking about God's grace and his forgiveness and his love, regardless of your past. And then we provide resources for people who've gone through it. Now we're, we're getting those people who've gone through it. They become often, once they know, understand God's love and his forgiveness, they now are the ones who are often leading the charges. You know, the people I, I admire out there in the public eye are often people who've had an abortion already. Yeah. You know, they've been part of it and they're the ones that are the most genuine and transparent and impactful in my view in the pro-life ministry. And there are a couple of resources for healing from past abortions. I mean, Project Rachel is one that comes to mind. And Support After Abortion. It's a Catholic organization and the way that, you know, I talked to them about it and they said, like, as it comes up, then they share, but they don't ever bring it up themselves. Right. Because it's not like they're going to mm-hmm. wind up in a handmaid's tale or something like that. Right. So, you know, people get worried, <laughs> are so skittish about that sort of thing. So you really need to put right. the brakes on that sort of thing a lot. But people do need to heal. And if yeah. they're afraid of the religious bent to it, you know, they're going to be forced to think this way or that way, then they avoid healing. Yeah. And there's so many people, like Dan was saying, that just are sitting in the pews that need healing. We want to get them to that healing first and foremost. And so I, I want to make sure to have this uh, resource available to people if they want to go there. It's a wonderful organization. They have a lot of virtual resources as well and a lot of different options to take. Awesome. Okay. So that's Project Rachel, which is also a ministry of the USCCB, and Support After Abortion, which again, we will also have in the episode notes. Uh, We have a lot of really awesome links this time around, so it's definitely worth checking out the episode notes for this one. I think that is the premise of everything that you've said. What do we do with moms? Like against the pro-life, what are you doing for the moms? The attitude is you just care about the baby, the baby's born. Well, we want as a church to care for the moms during pregnancy. We want to care for the moms after pregnancy. We want to care for the moms who didn't go through with the pregnancy. The baby's not a concern and we still care. Right. We love you even if. We love you even if. And obviously that's not God's design. It's not what we desire. But we can't get you there until you know, again, that hypocrisy. We're going to love you no matter what. Christ loves you no matter what. That is a sin that he can forgive. And you still have value and that baby still has value in God's eyes and hoping that future may be changed. You know, your future decisions, your future impact, your future way of viewing that next baby or someone else's baby is totally different. And I think that's where we just go to that next level. You know, that's really serving the moms and loving the moms. And it's not about the baby per se, but by the mom being in that spot, she's now going to be the better mother for the baby. 
There's some worry that we don't mean what we say when we talk about loving the sinner and hating the sin, and this seems like one of the most concrete areas where we do it, especially in Project Rachel. And a specific example about that, um, some of the moms that are in our maternity homes, and so the way our homes work is a pregnant woman can live there for free, and then once the baby's born, she can live there for six months after. So it can be for about a year that many of the women live in our maternity homes. But we've had a few cases where the mom has chosen adoption for her baby, and even after the child was placed into the home, the mom was able to stay in our maternity home for several weeks after even though the baby wasn't there. And also we've had a miscarriage, a couple of miscarriage cases mm. that the mom has had a miscarriage. And we've, you know, she stayed at our maternity home for several weeks after the miscarriage. So just to show those are concrete examples of instances where we love her, you know, even if the baby isn't present, you know, at the, at the home with her. Because that, that's another thing that's been brought up, especially lately, is what you, you people don't care about miscarriages. So how are you serious mm. about life in the womb? You should care about miscarriages too. Here again, yes, we do. Mm -hmm. I believe the hardest thing, but the most essential piece is the spiritual support. I believe it is the most intimidating for a lot of Christians. I believe it's the most challenging. It's probably the least common. We don't want to go there too often because we're afraid of where the conversation might end up. Mm -hmm. you know, it's quick rejection. But I also believe it's also the most essential for us to really make a change in pro-life. Until people understand who God is and have a relationship with him, they fully can't ever go there because they're never having the Holy Spirit and they're not having that lens to look through. And so I feel like it's, it's the hardest topic to talk about. We always want to talk about the practical, the diapers, the wipes, you know, give them their diapers, their wipes, pat them on the back. Good luck. And we feel good about ourselves, but we really haven't done anything to change that person. And I feel like it's the hardest part, but I also believe it's the most critical piece in the journey that if we really want to do something, that's got to be where the church steps up in the society. There needs to be a point where we say, you know what, I will at least pray with this person. And it could be a simple prayer, or I'm just going to give them a Bible, or I'm going to invite them to church, or I'm going to invite them to a Bible study. There needs to be a point where that is also that next step. Now that doesn't happen on your first visit. And I think that's where, you know, we're talking about the walking with moms and needs that comes down the road, but you got to build a relationship and then have the confidence to talk about it and just be able to ask the right questions. Like, so what do you think about religion and God? You know, just ask that question or just simply saying, you know what, let's go to Panera or Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. And can I pray for you before we leave? I do believe that's the hardest piece. I believe it's a piece that kind of almost put God too early where it's like, well, God thinks this and therefore they feel very judgmental. But there needs to be a part where God is also then brought into the process. That's got to be our ultimate goal is to help these mothers and these children to have a relationship with God and see God's value in them. Because if they don't have that, they can repeat the same mistake later or they can encourage others to make that mistake. And really, just if I can add on to that, too, you know, back to the beginning of, you know, prayer and how that's really the first step that anyone should ever take and really listening. And as we talked about, the, the moms who call us are afraid. The dads are afraid. We're also afraid to have those conversations. Yeah. And that's why God has to come in. And so as we really listen to what God wants us to do, he gives us the grace to do the things that he wants us to do. And so that should take away some of the fear in having conversations because he gives us all gifts that he wants us to use for his glory. 
when we use those gifts, it's not scary, actually. So you think, oh, he wants me to go and, you know, house this person in my own home and provide food and teach her how to do all these things. Well, change diapers for the yeah, stranger's baby. Or he something. might want that person over there to do that. He might not want you to do that. So yeah. that's why you have to pray and figure out, you know, and ask him and listen to what he wants you to do. Because if you do those things, then it's not actually scary. And so, um, but figuring it out often takes time and lots of prayer and lots of fostering the relationship that we have with God. Everybody can do something. That's the thing. Everybody can pick up the phone and ask, what are your hours? Can we make an appointment? Can I help this you know, young lady make an appointment? Everybody knows how to Google something. You can volunteer if you have the time to do it. And when you go and volunteer, you say like, what do you need done? I have these gifts. Is there a need for this? You can always give money. That's always. But find a place that kind of calls you. You know, as you're walking down the street, something might jump out or you might hear something. Well, there's probably a reason that that jumped out at you. Yeah. You know, God's trying to tell you this might be the place, you know. So take him up on that challenge and go ahead and see what you can do because everybody can do something. I think that's a great note to end on because everybody is going to have to do a lot more something in the near future. It's going to be a beautiful opportunity for us. So Tiffany, Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It was great to be here. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Bye now, and God love you.